you've tried to make pork taste like fish. Um, what's 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 the point? What's the point? What's the point in it? Um, it's no longer beer. Welcome to episode 431 of Brews News Week, recorded on Thursday the 10th of August 2023. My name is Matt Kirkegaard, editor of Brews News, but I'm not flying solo this week. That would be far too hard. I'm joined instead by my good friends, Sabrina Kunz and Ian Watson. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I know exactly what you just did there, Matt. I heard it. I just thought I'd I let everyone you... tick their bingo cards, uh, you know, um, right I'm a, from the I'm outset. I'm a little slow, obviously. It took, took me a few seconds uh, or half a minute to get it. <laughs> yeah. Admittedly, it wasn't quite as good as the uh, the, the Rallings commercials, but uh, you're coming in hot this week, hey, Matt? Coming, ready to go? Well, let's face it. I've been coming. Uh, it, it's been hot on the uh, Radio Brews News Facebook group, um, but uh, again, a bit of good, you know, <laughs> respectful, you know, heated. No, not 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 heated, but you know, and. and if an angry discussion or a passionate discussion can be respectful and, and everything like that, it's been very good. So um, anyway, we'll, but we will get to that. Let's, um, in, in, but before we get there, though, let's talk about some of the uh, other news stories of the week that I'm pretty sure we'll dispense with much more quickly. Um, first up, uh, just a, a little story, just ticking off the box that we like to make, you know, uh, make sure that it's covered so you can see the complete history of stories. No dividend to Southern Bay creditors. The liquidator for Southern Bay Brewing has issued his final report to creditors, advising them there will be no funds available to provide a dividend to them. Uh, listeners will remember that Southern Bay was placed in liquidation in October 2021, um, initially believed to owe more than $700,000. In the end, that was significantly more once investigations had taken place. Our liquidator Michael Bassadow from uh, Picture Partners told Brews News back in 2021 that the liquidation followed ongoing issues with Southern Bay uh, that it had been facing for a number of years, coming to a head during COVID. Um, a couple of things brought it to a head. Turnover dropped significantly over the last few years, some of it's COVID, uh, and it's a competitive market. And this particular brewery has an aging plant in need of an upgrade and obviously needed some funds spent on it to bring it up to date. Um, his final report indicated that mismanagement and a bad business strategy may also have uh, played played a role, but that was his conclusions, not the director's. Um, he also said that the company had been insolvent from at least June 2019, and you know a, a lot of the debts that had been incurred in between uh, of more than a million dollars had occurred after it was insolvent. Um, as a result. Uh, there was a potential claim against the directors, but he concluded that, well, one of the directors, it was a husband and wife, one, uh, the, the wife had passed away um, and the uh, other director had no uh, assets from which to recover. Um, however, he did get some funding from ASIC to look at potential breaches of the code um, and I think filed his report with ASIC. Uh, and no doubt we'll hear crickets from ASIC. And then again, you know, again, what is the point of chasing somebody who has no money um, after the damage has already been done to everybody? Um, and certainly, this is why we need to be vigilant uh, in advance and have 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 a uh, watchdog that actually watches doesn't, you know, chase the uh, escaping car. And again, Matt, this is just one, like you're closing the loop on this one, but... 
you know, the rumours of various liquidations for various companies are still, you know, I'm sure everyone across the country is talking to a brewery that says we're not sure how long, how we're going to go. You know, like, so this is, I guess, sort of listening to this story about it was from 2019 that when they were insolvent to when the steps were actually taken, the gap there in time is pretty large. We're probably going to see that gap tighten over the next couple of year, couple of years where people go, shit, we're hitting Yeah, insolvent. and I look... Because right? there isn't that capital, there isn't that capital, like we saw with Epic, right? Um, that was a good, good example of we're, we're on the edge, we're on the edge, we can't get any more capital injection, that's it, we're tipping over, right? So there's all of these breweries that are looking for working capital at the moment um, and and one creditor not stepping in. And, and, Matt, you've seen the financials of some and some recent shareholding asks that are proving that breweries are out there looking for working capital. And so... I reckon we're going to see that time frame tighten between when people really know they're in trouble and then, you know, their financing doesn't come in. And that's but there is a huge it. challenge. You know, business is always playing the potential with the future, you know, chancing the future. And sure, we don't have enough money in the account these days, but we've got this money outstanding um, that's going to come in and we, we're going to do some more business. Um, you know, and, and, and that's where it's very, very murky, except in hindsight, to decide at what point a business is um, actually insolvent. So, you know, th- 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 there is that. Um, and, and, and look, I'll, I'll be very frank. This is where, you know, for, for all that we talk about journalism, I hate doing it. Um, it's, and, I, and I feel, you know, a little bit piss weak in the journalism stakes that I hate going through liquidator reports once everything has come crashing down and then going, you know, X person was found to trade insolvent, you know, two years after, um, you know, and, and without knowing the personalities and not being able to form a personal judgment about whether, you know, they're a good actor or a bad actor, um, because you often can't tell the difference from the director, from the um, liquidators reports. Um, and, you know, some businesses just fail um, and, and, and can even cost people money um, with the best intent and, and everything. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so like I really hate trawling through these old things and then naming people, particularly in this case where someone's partner, has, you know, wife has died and things like that. And you just, you know, I, I don't know the story and to, to bring it up and I just wanted to close it off. But this is also where I'm highly critical of ASIC. We've seen it with equity crowdfunding. You know, ASIC doesn't chase people who are clearly in breach because they don't have the resources. But then even they make it hard for the average person to check. You have to pay a fortune. You know, any business that we want to get ASIC documents, any article that we write, you know, according to ASIC documents, we have shared out, shelled out cash that we don't have to buy those documents so we can verify and check and, you know, do journalism. Um, and so ASIC makes it hard for regular people to keep an eye on businesses that they you know, maybe want to um, you know, deal with. Um, but even then, you know, I asked for ASIC's advice, for a copy of ASIC's advice to the crowdfunding bodies um, about you know, what, what, what are they saying to these um, you know, crowdfund bodies about their responsibilities. And I think that that should just be publicly on the record. It should be open so everyone knows. 
they decline the freedom of information request again. So I have to now either, um, you know, engage in the appeals process and the time and cost that that is because ASIC is actually protecting people who are potentially bad actors in the industry when they don't have the resources to pursue it themselves. So anyway, and that, you know, that's why stuff like that is a little bit relevant to the industry. But um, anyway, people are out of pocket. Sorry, Ian, you haven't had a chance to, to, to weigh in on, on Southern Bay. To be frank, Matt, I don't have a lot to say about this one. It's a sad scenario whenever any business goes under and particularly when there's, yeah, it seems like not everything's recoverable. Um, staff have lost their jobs. Um, and But yeah, it, it is important that we know how these things fully fully roll out so that people can prevent them in the future right so that the early warning signs are there so that if you are in distress you're talking to restructuring bodies so that you are looking at your options that you are scaling back if you need to like that is the point of this which is to say to folks if you are in a precarious position financially and you don't know what to do get advice Yes, that's Sabrina. Getting getting it early before it rolls on because it's going to hurt you and it's going to hurt those around you too. So get that advice early. And also, um, if you're in a business that's in that scenario, please also look at um, other personal counselling as well because it's probably taking effect on your mental health. And look after that because you can't look after your business if you're not in the best state of mind to be doing that as well. That's the um, repercussions of, of this for me is that Everyone thinks that they'll do the right thing, um, you know, in, in in this situation. And then businesses get hurt. You know, we've seen a lot of people, a lot of good businesses that are very supportive of the industry lose a lot of money through, um, you know, businesses that have gone into liquidation or administration. Um, as a business owner, when there is the potential in your mind that the business could trade out of it um, on one hand. But when ASIC takes no action, when you, when, you know, when you know that if you've got no funds to pay a claim out of yourself and so your personal director's liabilities are worth nothing, but then also you know that ASIC has no track record of um, pursuing anything afterwards, what incentive have you got, other than just being a good person, um, to critically, you know, what 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 threat is there that balances the well, everything might work out, versus well, this is what will happen to me if 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 it doesn't work out, and 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 that's my criticism of ASIC. Oh, I think that's a criticism of ASIC. I guess I would be speaking to the business owners, and particularly small business owners, and saying. Um, sometimes what ends up happening is in your you're in what's called the sunk cost fallacy, right? Like you've put yes. all of this money yep. in and so you think we've just got to make it work, we can trade out. And sometimes actually you will be worse off if you just keep going, whereas if you stopped at a point in time. And I guess the point I'm making is over the next couple of years, um, we know we know of businesses currently that are seeking working capital. We know that small businesses have got their homes on the line. I mean, there's articles at the moment about pubs in rural New South Wales shutting down. People's homes and livelihoods and families are on the line for businesses. And so uh, if you are in a position and you're feeling overwhelmed, as, as mm. um, Ian said, you're feeling overwhelmed, therefore you're not making clear choices, get 
invest in getting some advice to help you set out the options of what the path is because maybe trading out is going to end is has the potential to be worse off for you and so I guess for me I read all of these things and go the answer is get advice early because maybe you can end your personal circumstances in a better position than you would do if you just shut it down and, and we've talked a lot about fail fast don't think of you know businesses closing down as failure it doesn't mean you can't go on to do something else and actually if you can take control of those end steps of winding up early you might come out of it feeling like you've given it a red hot go and you failed and you've wound up rather than feeling like you weren't in control of the journey that's and look i i think that's very sympathetic you know again and that's where i think i was looking at it a little bit more clinically um, than than the individuals, but the flip side of that is also you know again so much of the money that is that we're seeing is owed to the ATO, um, and again you know like if the the ATOs you know the ATO, but there are also a lot of other small businesses that are relying on the money as well, um, and you know all businesses you know. Are, are, Again, I, I, it's not a very good rule of thumb in capitalism, but you know, if it's not your money, somebody else is going to get hurt too. Um, you know, uh, anyway. Sydney Royal. Uh, Sydney Royal Beer Awards were announced this week. Um, the 2023 Sydney Royal Beer and Cider Awards have been announced with Four Pines Brewing Company taking out champion packaged beer for its Japanese-style lager. This was just one of the brewery's 22 medals, including six gold, six silver, and 10 bronze. Other consistent winners, and I decided to cast it that way because we have talked a little bit about, you know, the consistency um, of, of of awards mattering more than you know individual. Um, other consistent winners include Sydney Brewery with three gold, nine silver, seven seven bronze. Ben Spoke Brewing with eight gold, seven silver, and Jarvis Bay with three gold, five silver, and six bronze. Um, and also Gab's Hottest One Hundred winner, Mountain Culture, proved that. Quite apart from being a hot beer, they're also hot on quality with five gold, 10 silver, and three bronze as a first time exhibitor. Um, there's the, the full article with some more of the, de- the details is there. Um, the only other thing I wanted to add to that is, you know, when, block your ears, children, there may be a swear word coming. Um, when Four Pines Brewing is taking out 22 medals, including the grand champion, if you feel the need to weigh into the comments of a Facebook post posting this story and just going, meh or not deserved, <laughs> just shut the f- up. Really. Um, I mean, it has, this so, is a beer that has been judged in a blind tasting uh, against a whole lot of others, <laughs> against a set criteria, and the results show that these people know how to make beer. So, Mr. F- or Mrs. Flog, sitting in your little cave, just shut up. I, mean, I, 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 I wish was this was my... a video podcast when I was seeing your, your response to, to that. No, because I want you to know that the thing that I wanted to come here to say about this in slightly different language <laughs> was the same thing. Was the same thing. I was like, I've had this beer on tap. I think it's a good beer. It was blind tasted. I don't think anybody would have criticism of the process by which it occurred. It's the same judges a pool of very similar crossover judges that judge at all of our main competitions. It's a high caliber pool. It's blind tasted. If this won, it won. It is a good, good quality beer judged against the criteria for that style. 
congratulations to the brewing team at Four Pines that made that beer. And from you, Ian, as a particularly judge, Ian, like what's your perspective, you know, on, on, on criticism of awards? Competitions aren't perfect things. Um, they're not perfect things, but they're generally pretty good. Um, and it's a competition's results. And unless you were a judge there on that day, you've got no right to be able to criticise. And um, I, uh, uh, I trust in my brother and sister judges out there that what they've done is the right beer on the day and I think you'll find that it pretty well always is. And often it's just because people don't like that beer and so be it. You don't have to like that beer. There's beers out there that are that are exceptional, but I don't like them. They're not for my palate. But I know that they're exceptional and I accept that. And there's beers out there that I love, but I know we'll never do great in a competition for reasons X, Y, and Z. And that's fine. But the results of the competition are the results of the competition, and I support the results of any competition ever. And if you don't agree with that, well, it's probably because you weren't there or maybe you don't know as much about beer as you think you do. Um, speaking of other competitions, Matt, um, we haven't done a story on it, but it would be remiss of me not to congratulate the winners of the New Zealand Beer Awards and the um, overall winner champion um New Zealand Brewing Company was Eight Wired, and you actually just did an interview with Soren Eriksson, the founder of Eight Wired. They last won that sort of major award in 2011. Wow, wow. So they won that 11 years, you know, so that is just showing, I guess, when we talk about consistency, that a brewery that's been around for that long, they actually won um, Best Beer as Champion Beer as well for their Wild Fijoa Vintage 2022 um, and, and so I just think, like, when we romanticise craft beer, when we think about craft beer, when we think about the people that have been in it and sort of slogging away, we had Garage Project take out Large Brewery again for, I think, the third year in a row over Lion and DB in New Zealand, so small, independent, well, small, large, independent craft. We had Eight Wired take out Champion Beer and Champion Brewing. We had Behemoth take out Champion Medium, who also won um, in at the AIBAs along with Garage Project. And we had Shining Peak, who um, I've talked about in glowing terms before, take out Champion Small and love to see a new Champion Macro. So, micro. so I just wanted to say congrats to those. The trophies are fabulous. Lots of breweries that have been in it for a long time making beer-winning trophies. And finally, just on a personal note, I wanted to say a shout-out to um, Dave Nichols, who was made a honorary member of the Brewers Guild. He is a judge that a number of you will know through the AIBA's former judge, uh, uh, former brewer at Moa and now his own DNA Brewing. But he was instrumental in helping me as um, at the Brewers Guild for many years. And so, um, you know, I know we always celebrate folks that have made a long contribution. And so just on a personal note, congrats to Dave. Nice That's one. Um, and now just moving on, last uh, sort of story of any significance. And, and this is, again, this is a little bit of a, okay, you you need to eat your greens, kids, um, story. Where um, we, we have, have long published um, trademark listings, um, you know, very, very dry, just a list of trademarks that have been filed and accepted um, by, the, by IP Australia. Um, and... The reason that we do that is evidenced uh, a nice little story um, from our cadet, um, Jess, that says the importance of trademarks in the increasingly crowded beer market has come to the fore recently as Edinburgh-based Jump Ship Brewing found itself unable to protect the name of its beer series from being used by uh, fellow Scottish brewer, Brewdog. 
Um, as reported in the Scottish Sun, the owner of the alcohol-free beer brand Sonia Mitchell trademarked her business Jump Ship, but did not trademark the range of beers under the Shoreleave uh, moniker. Um, Brewdog has since used the name Shoreleave for its own amber ale, initially promoting it with the tagline, It's Time to Jump Ship, a motto that Jump Ship Brewing frequently uses. Um, Brewdog said it was unaware of the Jump Ship Brewing when it chose the branding and changed this slogan to Rock the Boat. Um, uh, Sonia Mitchell said she felt the branding overlap was squashing her business's brand um, and she wasn't able to protect the uh, Shoreleave uh, moniker because she hadn't trademarked it even though there was prior use. She didn't have the resources to try and defend it. Um, Brewdog is a bigger much more visible brand, so their use of it uh, squashed hers. Intellectual lawyer James Omond, who would be aware to anyone who's a regular, regular listener of the podcast, has previously told Brews News that since individual beers and series of beers uh, uh, are often named, brewery owners have more to protect than just their business name. There you go. If Sonia had have listened to uh, or read Australian Brews News, maybe she would have protected her intellectual property. Um, the producers will have their principal brand, but then they'll have a sub-brand. Uh, and from a technical perspective, that is a trademark. I think producers possibly don't stop to think enough about that as often. Um, so yeah, that was just uh, a, a little story that we published to highlight why we have our list of trademarks. And it's well worth looking at uh, what we're aiming at publishing monthly. So you can see what other businesses are intending to do or intending to trademark and it may potentially clash with your own trademarks and you can and you can stop it at that stage you can bring it to your attention but conversely you can see maybe what you should be protecting of your own because that's where people go to see hey i've got this great name for a beer no one's great name is unique or original um, so your great name has probably been thought of and quite possibly trademarked. So yeah, just a little story um, that's well worth uh, going to uh, have a look at it if you have a brewery or you're the head of the marketing department for your brewery. And Matt, can I just add two additions yep. to that? I've been doing a bit of work um, on another project, which I'm sure we'll all talk about um, at some point in the future. But I um, happen to be spending considerable time looking on various um, retailer websites uh, in the last day or so. And um, I came across a number of breweries that I was like, God, I've never heard of them. Where are they? And, of course, they were home brand beer brewing companies that honestly I saw them and thought this must be a rural brewery I've never heard of. Like, And I had to look it up, look up the brand, figure out where it was from. took me quite a considerable time. So if I was just clicking through the website, so I guess, again, in these trademarks you can see what the big um, retailers are trademarking and they trademark all their future brewing companies and all their future brands. So if you want to keep an eye on what's coming down the pipeline, that's a great place to do it in terms of a resource. I use that, uh, the Bruce News trademarks frequently to look at that. And then the second thing I wanted to flag is I've been doing some numbers on the number of beers that the brewing industry releases each year. And, you know, we think it's um, based on some data and data coming in you know, at least three and a half thousand beers a year. That's three and a half thousand names we have to come up with, often for short runs, limited releases. So on the one side, I think, God, we're so innovative and thoughtful to come up with a list of names that is not of that three and a half thousand. 
Um, and, and I'm sure most breweries trademark their core range, but maybe don't trademark every limited release, but they don't know whether their limited release is going to turn into their core range because they're doing some market testing. So I would just sort of say, again, if you're thinking about trying to name a beer, the competition is rife to come up with a unique name. It's really, really hard, clearly. And that's another resource that you can use to say, look, has this been done before or some version of it? You you can sort of search that list. So I, I would make those two observations about trademarks as well. Absolutely, that you, you, you've got to protect it. Um, sorry for... That later his business has been effective. Uh, it was slightly nice to see that Brewdog changed their motto that they were using around it. Um, but you know they then unfortunately did by rights have the use to the shore leave, so they can continue to 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 use that. Um, and yeah, you do have to protect every aspect of your. And business. if you're a tiny little brewery, yeah, uh, uh, and and you haven't put it on notice that you want to protect it, um, you know, no criticism to Brewdog. Um, no, they were know, just doing what, they, what they've done, what they do. That's that's unfortunately unfortunately the way it goes. Um, in in mm. that case, I, I, I will note though that um, Brewdog has previously um, shut down very small operators who have infringed on their. Yes, there was um, a distillery but, uh, again, that that, yeah. that was the case. Um, in, yeah, yeah. I think there's, there's there's yeah. I think there's been a few, but uh, anyway. Yeah. No, no, again, no, no criticism of Brewdog, um, and it, it, it's the importance of uh, trademarks. So go, you know, keep an eye on our uh, week, uh, our weekly newsletters, and uh, you'll, you'll see the when we publish those lists. There, ha- there was a, a little bit of discussion. You know, again, great. It's been a huge week of discussion in the Radio Brews News Facebook group, Password Soapbox, um, and and the more that these topics are discussed. You know, industry topics are discussed. The, the more that we are sort of really making sure that we lock down the, um, you know, that, that it is podcast listeners. So you don't necessarily have to be an industry, um, you know, person. But the, the fact that you wade through this um, <laughs> this discussion each week shows that you have a an, an interest in um, industry issues and, and, and policies. Um, so soapbox is the way to gain access uh, if you're a listener. Um, but yeah, no, really interesting discussion about um, Chaveza from uh, Bolter Brewing. So I wanted to jump on a call with uh, Sterling Howland and just, you know, who, who weighed in and joined in the conversation himself, um, just to get some thoughts about it. Um, and uh, this is what Sterling said, and we'll talk about it uh, on the other side. Sterling Howland, welcome to Brews News Week. G'day, mate. I don't think I've um, been on Brews News Week before. <laughs> uh, well, you've been on Brews Beer, Conversation. It's all the same thing. I've been, Just... Yeah, I've been on the long form stuff, but not the um, not the power, the power update. The, the power hour. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm... Yeah. <laughs> Mate, but we're here to talk about you. We're not here to talk about me. Um, okay. Had some great discussions this week, uh, you know, in in the Radio Brews News Facebook group about the Chaveza that you guys. I won't say launch because it's been out for a little while, but you've obviously gone much larger with it. Yeah, mate. Um, yeah, to the folks listening at home, um, you know, we've, we've launched a off the Cerveza, a little beer. I guess that we've been, you know, making for about 18 months now, maybe maybe a little bit longer, but definitely um, it's been in our tap room for quite some time. And, yeah, just a wonderful Mexican-style lager that we sort of brewed back in the day. We we spent a bit of time in America over the last sort of five years and everywhere we went, you know, the, the U.S. breweries had the cervezas just sort of kicking around as a staple in their tap rooms and we were drinking them and we're like, geez, 
incredible. And anyway, we came home and thought it was about time we had a crack. And yeah, we just had this beer and it's fun. It's weird. It just, it's just found its way into the hearts and minds of the Bolter taproom drinker. And yeah, just every week we'd sort of sell out of this kegs of beer that we had a cerveza and with no marketing, no sort of preamble, just people wanting to drink it. So, um, yeah, we kept making it and here we are 18 months later and, um, yeah, releasing it, I guess, to all of Australia. And it, it, it's one of those things that the fact that Bolter has released a beer like this, you know, is, is obviously sparked a little bit of discussion. Um, you know, going back to, you know, the what is craft beer days of this isn't a craft beer, but I increasingly wonder whether, you know, like, we want people drinking beer in all its forms is the way I approach it. But, you know, w- were you expecting there to be a little bit of, uh, you know, an eye roll that, of course, Bolter was always going to do this? Oh, look, mate, we, I think, you know, we, we just expect eye rolls in general. doesn't matter what we do. <laughs> um, you know, I feel like uh, people like to kind of roll their eyes a bit. But um, I guess for us, man, it, it just – we haven't changed our philosophy or our approach to making beer. You know, as you know, we've always – sort of proclaimed to be a good beer company and very early on you know we had the mindset that is if you could make um a million liters of integral beer but you couldn't do more than that integrally then you make a million liters of beer if you can make a a gazillion liters of beer integrally then why wouldn't you make a gazillion liters of beer if your message is to share good beer with everyone you meet then then why wouldn't you have that mindset so we broke the shackles pretty early on of what craft beer was and what it wasn't to us and we just sort of had that belief that good beer is good beer and good beer is for everyone and as a result we just started making beers that we want to drink and you know sort of you know if you're just talking about you know what the stereotypical um sort of view of craft beer is in australia then i feel those beers are only going to reach a certain amount of people at the end of the day what a beer like this does and what a beer like, you know, any great lager or it just breaks down those barriers of entry, you know, and, and it sort of broadens your appeal, I guess, to folks to, to come in and at least have a discussion because there's a beer in your portfolio that they look at and go, you know what, I'm not really into that craft beer stuff, but, you know, they've had a crack at this style that I'm familiar with and I'd like to give it a go. And I think from there, you know, where we ended up today with this Cerveza beer is, is really just an extension of how we've always made beer, um, which is a simple process of we make it on the pilot system first. Um, you know, we make beers that we want to drink personally. We don't want to hand anyone anything we don't love and we don't drink. And then after that, it's up to the, the I guess, the free market decides and tells us what, what they're enjoying and what they're not. And, yeah, and here we ended up, you know, on this little cerveza beer. I, I, I guess in one sense, you know, if you go back even before Bolter became the Bolter that we know, you know, when there were four surfers looking at starting a brewery, um, there were people, including myself, that, you know, when you first hear the rumours of it, that this was the sort of beer they were going to launch with. And you didn't um, start Bolter with a beer like this. You started with XPA that is you know, has been a pioneering beer in so many ways. I think you followed yeah. it with a brown ale and then a Pilsner. Is that the order that the first three beers came Yeah, we came had in? the old brown and then we had the Pilsner come in and then, um, yeah, the IPA after that and the rest is history, I guess. Yeah, and uh, we, we, the XPA is still the 
signature flagship, I guess, but, you know, the the, the, the brown ale and then even the Pilsner, which is a, a, a lager and you'd think would be more popular, just never hit the volumes that you guys needed it to. Um, you know, I, I, I think that really tells a bit of a story about the Bolter progression and also the beer market that those beers didn't survive because there wasn't the, the demand for them. Yeah, look, that's right. And I think it's a process of, it's a journey, right? It's a process of experimentation and, you know, seeing what works and seeing what doesn't. And, you know, especially for some of those more traditional styles, you know, it's a very busy market for a craft brewery to come in and say, hey, we've got a Pilsner too, or we've got a lager here too, you know, and or we've got this beer too. And, you know, there's, there's you know, far cheaper versions on the market that are everywhere and widely available and, um, sometimes it's hard to, I guess, to put your head up in that space. And, you know, we found that over the time that, um, you know, there's certain styles of beer that the market may want for us and there's certain styles that they may not. And so, you know, we became obviously very good at making every form of pale ale and IPA and hazy you can imagine, and, um, you know, which has been a, a big staple of who we are and a big part of our identity. Um and you kind of fight, sit into that groove. And I think over time, though, you also start to realise that, you know, um, just because, you know, something hasn't existed in craft before, it doesn't mean it can't. And I think I've seen a lot of these light beers, you know, popping up all over the world inside these great breweries. And what I think is pretty amazing is that um, good beer companies are making these styles of beer. And they're evangelising these styles of beer because why shouldn't they? They It's beer at the end of the day and that's what we make. So why would we sort of, um, I guess, exclude ourselves from a certain category just based off that um, maybe it's got a bad perception or a poor perception um, or any of that. So I guess um, over our journey, we've kind of just gently just pulled back the shackles of what, I guess we want to be and what we want to represent and um yeah and i guess that's sort of led us to here it, it, it's interesting you say that you know it's uh appealing to beer drinkers you know I, I think the last time i spoke to you and scotty you know at the very end of the chat i asked you whether you'd ever make a seltzer um because we we are increasingly seeing in the drink space soft drink that's being alkalized or you know cruiser styles or seltzers or things that are just sweet and fizzy but you said you're a beer company you know is is some of those non-beer products are never ever for bolter or and you, you'll just stay in the beer space look mate as, as long as um, i guess scotty and i are here you know we are we're brewers at the end of the day we're beer makers um we believe in the power of being good at something um, and not trying to be everything. And we don't want to subtract from um, breweries that do play in this space in different spaces. Um, but for us, you know, we are, we're a beer company and we're very proud of that. Um, you know, on the front of our building is a beer smiley, you know, logo. Um, and I can't imagine that with the word and seltzer or and <laughs> RTD beside it, you know, um, yeah, that's what Bolter's a beer beer company at the end of the day and, and we're extremely proud of that. And I think for us, a big part of who we are and the trust that we built as a company is, is probably based around that um, 
single-minded focus and people have come to trust and rely upon us as beer makers. Um, and look, I've got no doubt that we could probably go and, and make these alternative drinks and probably have some level of success with them. But I think deep down for me, it's always sort of said that we're not completely confident in beer. And for us personally, I feel we'd be letting beer down because we're sort of saying, oh, we're making these drinks now because maybe what we do isn't good enough for everyone. And we like to think that, look, good beer is good beer. And even if you don't like a Baltus today, there's a chance you're going to like one down the track. It's like um, good music, I guess. You may not like the band, but that band will play a song once and you go, oh, you know what, that song's a banger. I'm, I'm all for that song, you know. And I kind of see that as beer. Like our beers are our, our track listing. And some people love all your songs, you know. Some people love every album you bring out. Other people might just go, no, I just like that hit. That hits for me. And I don't know, that's how we see it. And I think we're just loyal to that thought process. And it allows us not to get distracted. And, and, and again, probably the core value of it all is we always maintain that we only would serve you something that we're willing to drink and enjoy ourselves. And at that point, you're just telling your truth. You're not trying to conjure up marketing. You're not trying to conjure up a, a, a tagline or a way in. You're just extending you to the people going, hey, we're really into this. We hope you are too. And I, from a marketer's point of view, that's my favourite place to talk from as a point of conviction and a point of truth. Because beyond that, to me, you become a bit of a bullshit artist. And and, and I've said that before in many sort of interviews and, and conversations. And I don't want to be a bullshit artist at the end of the day. I want to stand here and passionately deliver something we are completely into, you know, and, and I've, that just that floats my boat. It, it, it starts managing, it gets me going, and I know it gets Scotty going, and I know it gets the rest of the team going here as well. So, I, you know, again, a long answer to, to your question, but um, there's many facets to that and many facets to us being a beer beer company. What do you guys reckon? Good on them. I don't see why there should be any issue or anything around around this it's an obvious thing for them to do they've had that beer for a for a while now it's obviously moving well putting in bottles is a smart move for that product it it is the obvious thing to do with it moving the production to a bigger side is the obvious one um to do because it's one that's going to transpose better to the uh, equipment at the atlas site um than perhaps if they'd have tried to move um the the xpa there i i think it's great good on me um I hope it goes well for him, and I'm sure it's going to absolutely brain it this summer in, in in beer gardens on decks at um surf clubs. That's going to be the one that's served in 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 buckets, you know, by the ton. Can't wait to give it a try myself. Well, this is the thing, Ian. I I I think like you listen to Sterling, you look at the marketing, you look at the. I think it's the honesty and transparency by which they've gone through this process that enables people to to stay to be on board with Volta and get on board. Like they don't say, they don't, they're not sort of unequivocal about where they're making it. They're like, yeah, we're making it up at Yatla. They're not, they're like, yeah, we didn't start with it back then, but it fits with our brand. It's good beer. We want to serve it. And I don't, I sort of think there's a really lovely segue into the next conversation, but, you know, he was really clear. I don't want to serve you anything that we don't want to drink. Um, We believe in good beer. We've always believed in good beer. 
Um, and, and maybe to like move into the to segue to the next conversation, we're not going to make something that isn't beer because we think that means you don't believe in beer. One hundred testifies. It's beer and beer can take many, many forms. And it's why I've been saying for a number of years the, the, the term that Matt took in a different direction. I'm post-craft now. It's, it's about beer. Um, so and this is beer. So great. Um, fantastic. If you don't like it, if you don't, want to, if you don't, don't just don't drink it. Um, that's fine. And, and post craft is like where, where I was going to take this because the, to my way of thinking, the only reason that this is relevant is because the craft beer industry launched saying we are anti big beer. We are, you know, we're about flavor first. We're about you know malt water hops and yeast. We're about doing all of these things. We're about the purity and beers that used. Um, uh, you know, uh, processing aids to put in clear glass bottles, beers that, um, you know, used adjuncts. You know, the American definition actually precluded a lot of these yeah. things. And that was... That's actually a nice tie, Matt, to your conversation. If listeners haven't heard the, the conversation with um, Brewbound in Beer as a Conversation this week, you actually started yep. with that, right? You, you had that... that um, arc of what is craft beer and the u.s brewers craft beer um, association making the exact same Mm. arc right from we weren't this to now we're and there are whole and and as a result of my own personal journey and you know i've I've had some epiphany moments that i've gone well actually maybe that isn't and and you know hearing sterling say what he said about beer you know i don't say testify jokingly i you know want to hear him preach that message um, I want I want yep. him to be you know personally Australia's beer captain um, you know and, and lead the oh, team because I... he's preaching the message. But you know, and and, and the point that I made um, in the uh, um, Bruce News Facebook group was when we were sort of saying it, there is almost an apl- implied side eye at a beer like this, and my personal journey my my epiphany comes about because how can you be critical of a beer like that that is a beer and not be critical of a beer that is designed to taste like the school the the chocolate milk you drank in school and when the idea of craft brewing has gone from being malt water hops and yeast to become we are just food processors who will throw anything in to give, you know, we're not going to use malt, water, hops, and yeast to see what creative flavors that we can give in that pure form, but we will throw anything in to come up with a product that mimics another product um, just because it's fun when it's got, you know, that. that, you, that, that I, I, that's I, when craft had no meaning. I see what you're saying there, Matt, and um, I, I think I'm in alliance with that. I, I had a beer. Um, earlier this year, that was given to me by by someone that came to the to the brewery, and it was from another small brewery, and they they were in love with this product. And I just said at the end, this is not beer. Um, beer, there is many things you can use in beer. We don't just have to use malt 
hops yeast and water beer has traditionally used many other agree, yeah, over yeah. the years but in the end the beer shows a flavor um, beer still shows flavors and effects from those things from uh, maybe not water but um from hops from from malt from from yeast and particularly from malt because we can make beer without hops and it's that that is really in in essence not a true definer of beer is hops but it, it's got to show um, it's got to show something of a character from from those things, from those core, let's say those core three things. Uh, and certainly can have strong flavour presence of of other things, of fruits, of herbs, of spices, many, many, many things. But it has to be identifiable um, as having some character of that in there. And if I can't tell the difference between your product that you're calling a beer and I can't tell the difference that um, from an alcoholic soft drink, well, it's no longer beer why don't you just make the alcoholics um soft drink um which i'm sure we're going to get to soon um it's 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 no it's no longer beer so if it tastes so much like a chocolate milkshake then it might as well be a chocolate milkshake but probably doesn't taste as good as a chocolate milkshake because you've you've tried to make pork taste like fish um what's 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 the point what's the point what's the point in it um it's no longer beer but when you've got a product that is identifiably beer um it it is beer. Celebrate it. It's yeah, and it, and it can come in many forms. Yeah, and I think like I just I've been thinking a lot about how to craft the new case for beer, and maybe that was too many related words. How to create the new um, argument for beer as a category, for beer as a product, for what it means to us, and and I've spent like a lot of time thinking about it, and I sort of think now is the time. Even for small beer, I still think, Matt, um, to make the new case, to make what the, the aspirational, the new aspirational case for what we want to be, right? Like we don't have to sort of be stuck in what we thought we were going to be and we yep, haven't I 100%, up to and I'm, 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 world, That wasn't arguing were, that beer can't be experimental and you can't use absolutely. adjuncts and things. Exactly. And so, there was none of that. It's, it's what the intent is and yeah. then what, yeah. Yeah, because I think there is this piece that says, um, no other food and beverage product releases at the same pace that beer does new products to market. Let's call it 60, 70 new products to market a week. That requires a significant level of ingenuity, innovation, um, experimentation, um, create creativity, all of these things that I think def- still were the bastions of what we wanted to define craft beer as. And I think that they're so relevant going forward. Um, but we don't want to lose ourselves uh, from beer, right? We still, to your point, Ian, like I think, uh, you know, listeners will have heard me, I went on the Italian grape ale, right? All of these wild ferments, these beer wine hybrids, that's all coming out, but you can still tell that it's beer, right? It has its essence in the product that is beer. And I sort of think that's that's the uh, Absolutely. Point and sometimes these, there, these flavor is, profiles aren't things that you know, um, people, maybe if they've come from not drinking beer, will identify straight up as beer too. It could be a shock that beer can taste that way. But there are still flavor profiles that are derived from those core ingredients and not just being those core ingredients hiding behind something else. And this this is um 
uh, something that we have to look at, at for the greater image of beer and what we want beer to be moving forward and for a greater blueprint for beer for the future. And there was some awesome discussion um, on the um, Facebook group this week about that. I'm not sure whether we'll get into that, but I'd, uh, I'd love to at some point dive into that because I think we have to keep that conversation going. Which one was this? And um, into uh, essentially the future of beer, Beer Australia, um, the, the story of yes, beer. Yep. Um, and there's some wonderful points in there, um, some different things that, that got me me thinking. And I, I was having some passionate moments talking to myself um, at, at, in, in the early hours of the morning, mashing in earlier this week and thinking thinking through my thought process on on that and that's what we need so please contribute more to that please discuss that amongst each other we we need everyone talking um and seeing what we can think up what the future what every idea we have what really is beer and how we can portray um beer to the future and it's something that i i, I will um side with with marzen and uh passionately yet uh, respectfully disagree with Sabrina uh, the beer has wine does not have a better story than beer a beer has a, a I, I don't oh, think well, it does I'm sorry I've mis- uh, I'm a passion bi- I'm I'm in violent bi- agreement that beer has a wine has sold their story. story better we've got and great for them for that because I, I really love wine too um but we have got to show uh, we have got to show the the population how wonderful beer's story is, how rich it is, how important to our world and um, to how we come to where we are. I was thinking about, um, you know, the, the origins of beer and, and the potential impact of what social anthropologists think it's it's um, yeah. it's done and what it's led to. And it take me back to that um, campaign by Meet Australia uh, years ago where they had Sam Neill talking about um, the origins of man and when we first ate meat um, and what that did for us. And um, beer has also had the same same impact on, on, on us as well. Ian, I went down a really similar brain journey about sort of, well, what does, because Matt always talks about the positive sides of like the sociability of beer. And I, I went down the exact same path as you in terms of, well, over time, historically, what has beer been and what has it meant to society? Anyway, I want to echo your point, Ian. Adam Gale actually kicked off the uh, the chat in the group um, by having a little uh, rant, which I implore anyone to do um, on voicemail if anyone wants to go on voicemail and have a little rant so it's not just Matt and I. Um, uh, and so, you know, I, I just thought that was so lovely. And as um, someone commented, you know, beautiful back and forth respectfulness in the in the chat. But the more people that are part of it, the yes. better answers we're going to get. And the more we're collectively going to let, make let's the case, just not leave right? it at that one post that's got the X number of responses now. Let's please keep that going, everyone. Let's let's talk about this, and then we can look into how we can talk uh, in a in in some other settings too to keep this keep this going. I thought that was a really great discussion thread there and some wonderful things and people obviously showing passion and this is what we need in order to be able to um pr- protect beer and keep beer to a uh, a wider future so that many more generations will know uh how wonderful and important this 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 drink is that that we all love yeah we so yeah um bolter bolter's new beer hey um, it's a bring <laughs> you back to that somehow it, it is because he finished the, his story about that chat that said, we believe in good beer and we all believe in good beer. So we just want to make, we just want to evangelize yep. that. Because another place that you can get some great information is a beer can 
or bottle or a carton. Um, and, you know, if you want to put some great information on, you know, your packaging, um, you know, I'm, huh, where would you go? Where would you guys go if you uh, had some ideas you would like to see expressed uh, visually? I think I'd probably head down to to, to Brucon um, and just have a look around there, <laughs> and I, I think you'd find that there'd be a, a, a stand there where there'd be some some folk who would love to have a chat to you about what what they can do to help you. You know, uh, a, a company that you know is is able to supply can and bottle labels, shrink sleeves for cans, supply to you re- ready to fill, or cartons either printed, plain, tap decals, coasters, four pack barcodes, much 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 more. And I'm sure if you went there and, and spoke, you'd find some people named Paul, Brad, or, or some others, the good folks from Rallings Label Stickers and Packaging. Or you could just give them a call on 1300 852 235 to discuss your options or email at sales at rallingsprint.com.au. Cool. And um, Matt, can I just throw in while we're talking about Brucon, the IBA have today announced an expo only pass. So um, if you are a member of the IBA and you've received that uh, email, um, it's $100 to attend for folks who just want to attend the expo and not the conference sessions available from 2pm. You can find the details on the IBA website and we'll have a link in the show notes. $100 um, per day or $130 for non-members. And the real purpose of that was uh, that they heard that more brewing teams wanted to get down and meet see the exhibitors. Yep. So cool. Um, great call. Just a little shout out uh, there. Uh, moving on, hard solo. Federal crossbenchers are preparing to meet with members of the alcohol industry to discuss tighter regulations around alcoholic drinks being marketed to underage drinkers. It comes after this story you might have heard over the last few days. It's the launch of an alcoholic version of the soft drink Solo. The independent member for North Sydney, Carly Tink, is hosting the talks. So Solo, this meeting really comes on the back of this alcoholic version of the drink being approved. What concerns you most about this particular product? Well, I think if it looks like a soft drink, tastes like a soft drink and has the name of a soft drink, but then contains alcohol, (laughs) we've probably got a problem. I think what's really interesting in this area is, you know, Australia has incredibly high rates of drinking pre-mixes and for a long time that has kind of gone on at its own merry pace but I think seeing the launch of Hard Solo in this last couple of weeks was something that not only gave myself but other of my colleagues across the crossbench pause to kind of stop and think you know what is actually going on here because I think this one just doesn't pass the pub test. The, the, the one thing I would like to say personally is to date I have not there has been a lot of side issues discussed um, around this, and to me, you know, the this has been the industry's massive failure to self-regulate. The fact that people want to discuss whether a soft drink should be turned into an alcohol form, and and make that discussion about whether the labels are okay or whether the flavor profile is is the same. Um, the fact that you're debating that level of minutiae about it rather than this has fundamentally damaged ABAC um, because they pre-vetted it looking at a very highly technical labeling consideration. And at the end of the day, ABAC has to say, it's not for us to decide whether a product has worth or not. We can only look under our code at the technical elements of whether the, the label meets. And I, I just cite the, um, uh, the the Bilson's case that we've talked a little bit about where there were five cocktails and through highly technical reasoning, 
ABAC was able to sort of say, these three are problematic, these two are fine. Even though to the average person in the shop, they would go, these are exactly the same. The fact that ABAC has to go that technically under its rules and not go, well, these three are problematic, so even though these two strictly don't, we think that they should all be because there should be a clear distinction between what's acceptable and what isn't. They just confirmed that this is a marginal discussion and it comes down to, well, this colour is okay and this colour isn't. Um, and so they pre-vetted it. Pre-vetting is suddenly meaningless. ABAC gave pre-vetted approval they gave to the pre-vetted approval to it and now they can either go well actually our pre-vetters were wrong which kills pre-vetting or they can go well actually according and you know I, I can't see how they can do anything other than go well actually this is fine it's not our it is not for ABAC we are the marketing code we can't say a particular product is okay or isn't okay because the difference between hard solo in terms of the liquid and a vodka cruiser is zero. And suddenly ABAC's going to have to start considering not looking at the labeling or the name of it, they're going to have to start looking at what the flavor composition is. And that is the discussion that because infantile marketers who just saw it as a way to launch a product and flog units without any socially redeeming thought and no sense of industry responsibility, um, have really ripped the cage. You know, they, they, they've kicked over a hornet's nest and the whole industry is going to suffer. ABAC is going to come, has come already. They're, they're before speaking to a parliamentary um, committee today about whether industry self-regulation is enough. Yeah. So for context for listeners who haven't maybe aren't oh, in the great yeah. bruising Sorry, group, I, I do forget. Um, I've, I've, I've lived this for a week. Um, for... Yeah, so for, for listeners who aren't part of the Radio Brews News Group, um, the, there has been significant national media coverage on the issue of hard solo uh, across a range of media outlets. And today it resulted in uh, independent MP saying um, her and various crossbenchers wanted to meet with the alcohol industry. We understand from comments by Kylie Lethbridge in the Radio Brews News Group that she was part on behalf of the IBA of that conversation. We don't have other details at the moment, but um, the, the point that was made specifically in in the interview given by this MP Tinks, I believe, um, was that RTDs have existed for a long time and it is no longer clear the lines are too blurred between what is non-alcoholic and what is alcoholic and it has been let to be unchecked and there needs to be um, significantly more consideration given. Um, the reason that matters to beer is that we play in a similar um, format to RTDs. You know, a lot of our products in cans, um, we have started erring on the side of making experimental products uh, that contain or could be considered a attractive um, to the youth market in the same way that RTDs have. And so um, notwithstanding that we might not have led the charge on this particular issue and we are going to be swept up as part of alcohol in the reforms. And the reason this matters, again, to provide some context, is right now um, Fazans have op an open call for submissions on the ability for alcoholic beverages to make sugar and carb claims um, low carb, 99% sugar free, blah, blah, blah. 
Essentially, what Fazans are recommending, food standards are recommending, is that those claims be allowed and actually explicitly confirmed under the various standards with some caveats. Um, I implore you to, to dig into that. It would be remiss now, it would be sad if as a result of um, a reopening by a group of MPs having a specific interest in the labelling and marketing of alcoholic beverages, that once again, where we were about to be permitted to continue to do something, it gets swept up in a pause of reforms around labelling. So the reason these things all sort of interplay is that um, we've talked about it before, death by a thousand cuts, but the good actors in beer, of which there are many, 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 we've talked about the numbers already, the vast majority of the beer that our craft brewers make you know, are made to a high standard of quality, appropriately labelled, do not market to children, but it is that small percentage that is going to see regulation occur for the whole market. And so, you know, this might seem like an esoteric topic that's been happening off in the corner, but it's going to have real world consequences for the way that we conduct our businesses in the industry. So that's sort of a little bit of context setting for... Thank you. Now go back and listen to what I said. (laughs) Ian? Yeah, so... As soon, as soon as this one popped up into my radar, as soon as I saw the Lizard Soul, I thought, wow, that was a pretty daft move to make. Um, I don't think that was a very good move on behalf of um, the manufacturers of, of that product to do that. I was disappointed in A back on the pre-vetting, but it's realistically, it's not a product. It's as Matt said, it's the it's the it's the packaging which probably meets there, but I still even think that that's that's a little borderline because it still just looks like it. You know, they've changed can designs lots over the years. Um, Coke has been red, Coke has been in black cans. Um, what's whatsoever? When you've got a product like this, this is diff- This is a, does have some differences to other RTDs in that the other RTDs are like a vodka cruiser, and it's obviously that it's vodka with this other thing there. Whereas when it's termed as the hard solo, uh, uh, an i an iconic uh, an iconic soft drink brand that's now got alcohol in it, that is different than the other way around. So this does have strong appeal to minors. Now, if you say that minors shouldn't be under eighteen shouldn't be in a bottle shop, you're right, and they very rarely are nowadays. Um, if pe- you say that people kids shouldn't have access to these drinks at home, you're right. They shouldn't have easy access to. But let's be realist here. They do. We don't have alcohol safes to keep it in like we do gun safes. And if you were a 16-year-old and you're saying that you as a 16-year-old wouldn't have wanted or tried to have a have a try of this, well, you're obviously a respons- more responsible and better 16-year-old than I was. And good for you. Um, your virtue sibling, you know, yeah, you you know, you, you were. This is straight up what they're going to do. Because what this says to them is when you say you've got a, a vodka raspberry drink, they're going to associate it with the alcohol side there more. And they're going to think that the flavor profile is going to be objectionable to some degree to them. But when you say it's hard solo, that it's alcoholic solo, no matter what the taste of it is in that can, they're going to straight, so, straight away associate it with a sweet soft drink. It is, it is, yeah, it, it, it is, it is different. My daughter, Emmy, made exactly that point 
Um, that's what she would expect it to taste like. Whereas the other ones are looking at it as the alcohol with the other flavour, whereas this, they will straight away look at it as the, it is the soft drink, but it's now got alcohol in it. Um, so it is the wrong way around, and it is, um, dis even though this is not beer, and I'm, uh, I'm annoyed that we're having to discuss this, and I'm annoyed that this is affecting my beloved beer, but it, exactly, it, yeah. it, it, it is. The reason it pisses me off so much is... You combine this hard solo with um, a, a comment that I read from the chief medical officer or, or, or some very serious role in New Zealand saying that uh, it was in relation to an article about shutting down an independent bottle shop, uh, the, that cask beer, so, sorry, cask wine, so wine in bags, is the poster child, the most commonly abused form of alcohol for alcoholism. This was in relation to New Zealand. So comment from the medical professionals. And yet every single article by mainstream media, so not beer media, by anyone that talks about problem drinking, it is never a RTD in that photo. It is a beer. It is a pint of beer in a beer glass. It is not a goon bag. It is not an X. So the reason we are on, we are um, the poster child for problem drinking and the poster child for things going wrong, whether the whether it stacks up or not, right? And so it this has the potential to hurt breweries more than it does anyone else because, yeah, RTDs will claim X, Y, and Z. But as we've made the case already, well, I've made the case already today and we beer will continue to make the case, they produce one RTD, package it once and just keep rolling it out. We create new products, package, we over-index on hiring people, being creative. They do it once and then reap the benefits, right? There's way more profit going into RTDs per product than there is into beer into craft beer and so as increased regulations come we don't have the ability to absorb them we just don't have the ability to absorb them in the same way that some of these other companies do so um, beer craft in particular small small batch brewing will always be hurt at a greater margin than others when it comes to alcohol regulation because of the cost and, that, and that's Sabrina up. a good point looping back to what we we're just talking ago a few minutes ago when we have this when it's beer that's always put in it's that problem child and used in that image for all that there that's why we need to work on what beer is going forward and what beer's image is this is exactly. why so that it's not us let it be the let it be the four liter cask of, of wine yeah, exactly. shown for when there's this problem drinking let it let it let it be when it's underage that it's um, a soft drink that now has alcohol into it um, we have have our own problems and we 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 are part we are we are the alcohol industry part of the alcohol industry but let's yep. give the narrative to beer that beer make should the case have for beer businesses that don't just make beer are automatically going to be conflicted because they are going to look at it through the lens of well i will also be affected if you know if my industry association or my brewing industry starts calling for higher tax on spirits and RTD, I'm going to be affected by that as well. And there is an, an inherent, um, and you know, to um, with all due respect to Sterling, um, Bolter and his business exist within the company that created this 
mess. So, you know, there, there, there is a little bit of, well, we can stick to our beer knowing that we are just one profit center of a much bigger business. But conversely, they would have absolutely no ability to influence the decision making of the, the, the bigger entity either. So, you know, and there are other breweries in the, the line and CUB stables that have played in the seltzer or the, you know, stone and wood um, made a seltzer. So, you know, Bolter has kept itself free for that reason. And I think it makes a compelling case. Um, guys, I'm just sort of looking at the time. Do we, is, is there more? That, I will share that um, New Zealand bottle shop case though, because again, to me, it highlights so much of the problem so that much. alcohol, um, and, and for, for, for those who aren't reading it, jump on um, and, and see it. But it's, it, it's a story that a, a, a small craft wine bottle shop is being closed. And one of the, arguments that was made at the um, uh, licensing case was that they were selling individual bottles of beer and that that was problematic. To my way of thinking, selling an individual bottle of beer is actually the poster child for responsible serving of alcohol. You know, you're not serving a carton. Um, and then the other one was um, casks of $30 casks of wine because the perception of a cask of wine was that it was problematic. And, and the, the bottle shop owner said, we wanted to sell casks of wine because it was more environmentally friendly. Um, and this is the problem when perception rules, logic or, you know, arguments don't win. It's the perception and the, 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 the case. So, you know, ho hopefully everyone's going to feel that they've... Um, there's been a lot of protein, um, a lot of fiber, not a lot of um, fairy floss. So uh, hopefully people aren't too exhausted. I had some texts after last week that I'm just sort of sounding crankier and crankier. But I think I'm joined by two other crankies this week, which is good. No, but I, I want to, yeah, <laughs> no, I want to have positive. that positivity. Let's get that positivity about beer the future. Please yep. keep that discussion yes. going. We've got um, Indies Judging BrewCon coming up. Please spread the word out. Let's think about what the future would be and what is positivity. When big bad things happen, Agreed. we have to call it out. We have to do it. That's our responsibility and we have to um, be realist yep. about things. But let's build this future of, of this wonderful drink um, and, yeah, please discuss it. If you see me anywhere, please come. Let's talk beer uh, and what it can be for the future. Let's get that rolling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I'm just going to have a little bit of a laugh. Uh, um, just even while we've been doing this, there have been three requests to join the uh, Radio Brews News Facebook group. Um, one of them, what is the listener code word? Not sure. How did you find out about this group? Because they're the best source of brewery information. So, soapbox. Um, hey, everyone. If, um, if you are getting down to BrewCon, don't forget to see our good friends at Bluestone Yeast who can supply pictures of yeast from one litre to 100 litres at greater than 2 billion cells per milliliter. Whether you're after a one-off pitch or you're looking for weekly, fortnightly or monthly deliveries of yeast, Bluestone Yeast has got you covered. Derek will be at BrewCon. You can reach him in advance at info at bluestoneyeast.com.au or give him a call on 03851831723 and talk all things yeast. Um, maybe our brewery of the week can be. I was going to. I was just about to say this is because they 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 do have an awesome tap room um, and, and it's been done Love up. Love their and, tap uh, room. Yeah, and and again, it's a church of good beer these days. Great. That wraps up another week of news. Your hosts have been me, Sabrina Kunz, and Ian. Oh, sorry, me, Matt Kirkegaard, <laughs> Sabrina Kunz, and Ian Watson. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, that was yeah, um, yeah. 
The show is produced by Joe Helder. We thank Rallings Label Stickers and Packaging and Bluestone Yeast for their support in making this episode possible. And we're out. <laughs>